One of the themes we're going to be looking at for quite a number of weeks in different ways, it will take us through uh, to springtime, is wisdom. Wisdom. What does it look like? How do you get it? How do you practice it? How does it work out in ordinary life? Just uh, for those of you that like to know where we're going with this sort of stuff, I'm going to look at, um, in January we'll be looking at um, four psalms together. Wisdom before God. And then we're going to do a short series on Proverbs, about how do you read Proverbs and how do you engage with that book, which in one sense um, seems to promise more than it ever delivers, but on another sense, and and it's quite difficult to read because it's kind of like, how do you make sense of it? But we'll look at how some of the, the book of Proverbs. We'll look at the wisdom of the cross as we get closer to Easter And then after Easter, we'll spend some time thinking about wisdom in today's world, some of the really tough issues that are happening in our world around us, and and what what does wisdom look like in that context? It's a a theme, and it sounds on on the face of it really quite dry, but it's something that has become really important in my own thinking over the last year or so, as I've been thinking, well, actually, what wisdom does... It's such a major part of the Bible. It's, it sort of comes time and time and time again through the Old and the New Testament. And it's so important because it's, wisdom is really the art of living well. That's kind of like what wisdom is. It's not knowledge. It's, it's kind of like it's the art of living well. There's an old preaching cliche that goes like this. The difference between knowledge and wisdom is this. Knowledge knows that a tomato is a fruit. Wisdom knows you don't put it on a salad. No, that's not right. Fruit salad. Fruit salad. Fruit salad. Uh, It's a bit rubbish today, isn't it, really? It's it's all falling apart in so many different ways. My hope for this year is it's only going to get better. So knowledge says uh, tomatoes are fruit, but wisdom says you don't put it in a fruit salad. That's kind of like, you might have heard that before, said better than I've just said it. Wisdom kind of takes knowledge and knows, how do I live this out? Wisdom is, how do I respond well? What sort of person do I become that actually knows how to respond um, to the situations that happen to you? Wisdom is about how do you make really good decisions. Decisions that mean you're not going to sort of hit the buffers, but actually you're going to live really well. How do you make those decisions? Wisdom is how do I live well with God? And kind of the Bible's full of this as a shaping principle, that God's desire for you and me is actually to live really, really well. It's kind of like this idea that you are created in the image of God. The person sitting next to you reflects something of the beauty and the majesty and the brilliance of God. And what happens in sin, it gets flawed and broken. But actually wisdom, the wisdom that God gives is this reconstructing thing so that actually we live really well. I think probably you never really know whether you're wise. I think it's something that other people recognize in you. 
But if you're the sort of person at work who people come to when they're having a difficult time, it probably might be an indicator that you might be growing in wisdom. If you're the person in your family who doesn't flap when everything starts to fall apart, there's probably an indicator that you're probably growing in wisdom. If you're the person that when you've got decisions, it's not that you get every decision right, but actually you know how to make decisions well, it's probably an indicator you're growing in wisdom. If when things go wrong, you don't completely sort of dissolve, it's probably an indicator that you're growing in wisdom. Because of, um, because of the job, because I spend a lot of my time in sort of with Christian leaders and, and church contexts, different than most of you, but because of my particular job, one of the benefits I get is from time to time people say, how can I pray for you? And, um, you know, you, you, you never really know how to answer that question. You know, it's got like, sit down, I've got a whole, you know, it'll take a half an hour to explain. Or, but the thing I've asked for over the years probably over 20 years, and I don't, do you know what I mean, it's like I'm putting myself out there a little bit now, but the thing I've prayed for more than ask for anything, the thing I've asked people to pray for more than anything is, can you pray that I'll get wisdom? There's a whole number of things that I might have needed that day, but actually I think what I need for life is wisdom. In James, James writes to early Christians and he says, if you lack wisdom, ask God because he'll give it you. And it strikes me that that's a good deal. Because <laughs> I know how often I've lacked that. And it's kind of like, God, I need that. That's what I need. And whenever anybody's asked me, how can I pray for you? I've said, Lord, will you give me wisdom? Well, every newspaper, every magazine, every... Um, TV program, the Slimming World ads, all of that suggests that here we are, this time of year again, a year of health, a new year, a new you. You can change. And we prayed, and I'm not going to diminish this prayer at all. We pray for people who actually want to take health seriously. Who'd have guessed, who'd have guessed 20 years ago that the whole of our culture, much, many people in our culture would have been talking about fasting as a good thing to do. Some of you have been Christians for such a long time. You remember when even preachers talking about fasting looked odd. But now everybody's sort of thinking about it. It's like, how do you use fasting and St. Michael Mosley to, um, you know, whether it's 5-2 or just cutting back, but actually we need a new you. And you and I both know that actually after two weeks of uh, holiday thereabouts, where we sat on the couch too long and eaten too many mince pies, followed by a lot of gaviscon, that actually, <laughs> you know, if we continue doing that for another, thank goodness that this Christmas period is over, because if we did that through January, we would just be a bit of a mess. Or fat, yes, thanks Pat for naming it exactly how it is. And... Um, I don't know what it's like in your house, but now we've sort of, in our house, now we've finished the fridge. We've restocked it with green stuff. And yesterday morning in Worsley Woods at the park run, there were nearly 600 people. <laughs> Whereas 
just before December, just before Christmas, there were about 400. 200 extra people turn up going, I've got to do something. And the truth is, you and I both know that you can live with mince pies and couch, but you'll live longer with green veg and exercise. You can both live, but the quality of your life changes. And that's why when we pray, God help us to get our lives sorted. It's no mean feat. It's not a small thing. And although that prayer that I began about living long and prospering kind of wasn't the best prayer I've ever prayed in public. You should hear some of the rubbish I say in private. (laughs) But actually, deep down, Star Trek aside, isn't that actually what you want? Isn't it deep down, actually, I do want to live long. I want to live long enough to see everything that God has for me. And I want to prosper. I want my life to reflect something of the blessing of God. That's why wisdom's required. If you've got a Bible or you can get one, turn with me to Psalm 1. Psalm 1's the introduction to a book of prayers and songs that have been used by the church for three and a half, well, 3,000 years, certainly. Um, and the 150 songs or prayers reflect life at every stage. The days when everything seems brilliant and the days when actually everything seems that all the wheels seem to have fallen off the vehicle. And what the people of God have found over 3,000 years is that there are prayers and songs to sing for every day. There are songs when you've really messed up and you know you've messed up and you've messed up royally. It's not like a small thing, but actually you have really fouled up. And it's not that God doesn't hear you on those days But on the days when you would even fear knowing what would I say to God, you will find the people of God have gone ahead of you. And over 3,000 years, they've prayed prayers and they've handed them on. It's kind of interesting, isn't it? That, you know, David, who wrote many of them, but others, Solomon and others, some that might go back all the way back to Moses even, they began to be collected And you can imagine how this would have happened. People would have heard them recited. And someone says at some point, and probably, truth be known, probably when they were in exile, when they weren't in charge of their own worship anymore, they didn't have temples and all the rest of it, suddenly people started to say, we don't want to lose that. If we lose that prayer, we will be the poorer. So let's write it down. And they started to write down these prayers because they knew these prayers have form. They've been used well. They reflect something of your own heart, but they reflect something about the God that we worship. And so they gave them us and said, here, pray these. When you don't have a prayer left, pray these. It's why Christians, over 2,000 years, 
have said, we'll work our way through these psalms really systematically. We'll just pray one or two or three a day. And we'll just let this begin to shape who we are. You see, the thing is, most of us think, well, we know how to pray. It's kind of like, oh, God, help. (laughs) And there's no bad thing. And there's prayers like that here. But actually, there's more to that. And you join in. And Psalm 1, well, Psalm 1's not really a prayer, ironically, but it's an introduction. It's an introduction to prayer. It's an introduction to this life with God. It's an introduction that says, come in. Will you come through? It's kind of like what we try and do on a Sunday morning, where some of us wander through to the front gate. Um, and, and I'm there, peering up and down the path, wondering, is anybody going to come today? And, and the idea is to, you know, and then you meet welcoming people, and we, we chat, and we shake hands, and we embrace one another. Because actually what we want to do is say, this is like an introduction to come into this building. Because here, something might happen for you that's really important. And Psalm 1's like that. It kind of goes out to the end of the path and says, come on, come with me. Because actually, there's more to this life with God than you might imagine. This is how Psalm 1 begins. Blessed are those who don't walk in step with the wicked, or stand in the way that sinners take, or sit in the company of mockers, but who delight in the law of the Lord and meditate on his law day and night. They're like a tree planted by streams of water which yields its fruit in season and whose leaf doesn't wither. Whatever they do prospers. Not so the wicked. They're like chaff that the wind blows away. Therefore the wicked will not stand in the judgment nor sinners in the assembly of the righteous. For the Lord watches over the way of the righteous. But the way of the wicked will be destroyed. The psalm begins, as the psalms often will do, by saying, actually, there's two ways of life. There's always two ways. There's a way of life that goes, actually, we'll go with the flow. There's a way of life that says, we live in a culture where, on the whole, not in every case, but often, people are trying to live life without reference to God. And that culture will take you in a certain direction. And then in the midst of that culture, there are people, there are little groups of people who are going, actually, what we're trying to do is listen to what God might want us to do here. The culture will say, keep yourself safe. The culture will say, don't trust the outsider. The culture will say, try and get as much as you can for yourself so that you are comfortable. The culture will say, as long as you're happy, that's the main thing. Or maybe you and your family are happy, that's the main thing. But in the midst of that culture, there's another group of people who are going, we've heard a different voice, the voice of Jesus, who goes, follow me, because actually your comfort is not God's greatest concern. And that's never good news, is it? (laughs) The voice of another who says, actually, it's not just about keeping yourself safe. It's not just about having the most. It's being generous. It's not just about you and your family, but it's about the, the orphan and the widow. The ones who don't easily belong. 
There's always two ways. The way of a culture and the way of one and groups of people who've heard the voice of Jesus. And that's how the psalm begins. Blessed are those who don't walk in step with the culture that's at odds with God. Who don't stand with those who want to live without regard for God. And they don't sit in the company of mockers. The cynics. The ones who go, it'll never change. It's always as it is. Nothing can happen. But the people who don't live like that, how blessed are they? That person's like a tree planted by the streams of water. It yields its fruit in season. Its leaf doesn't wither. Whatever they do prospers. They're fruitful, they prosper, because they're next to the river. And the river gives life. It's like that brilliant picture of a tree that's planted next to a river. And because it's so close to the river, it's never going to dry up. It's never going to wither. It's always going to be able to grow. And the prosperity... They're people who build a house that can withstand a storm. Do you remember Jesus? Some of you remember this from when you, even when you were back at Sunday school yourself and you used to sing the songs about the man, wise man who built his house upon the rock and the one who built his house upon the sand. What they both have in common is storms will come. That's what they both have in common. The difference is... One's built a house upon the wisdom of Jesus. What, this, I, what we can guarantee for you this year, this is not a prophecy, it's just true. You will, at some stage this year, face a storm. <laughs> but your house doesn't need to collapse. Your house doesn't need to collapse. Something will happen in you, around you, or to you, but your house doesn't need to collapse. Blessed are those who make their home on the rock. Blessed are the ones who like trees, who are planted by the streams of water. How? How do you become that sort of person? Well, in verse 2, the psalmist says two things. The difference is there are people who delight in the law of the Lord they delight in discovering this law of God, the Torah, actually, which for a Jewish person would only have meant the first five books of the Bible. But actually, what happens for us later as we go through the Bible and as Christians who now claim that First Testament, what we do is we go, actually, do you know what? God has revealed himself in the Bible. This word, this word is not a dead word. It's a living word to us. And we take delight in us. You know that song we sing from time to time? And um, it's kind of like an older song now, so I don't sing it so much. But I want to know you. Um, what is it? I mean, I know it's got that line, but I want to hear your voice. I want to see you more. Okay. It's kind of interesting, isn't it? Because we sort of sing that with... I don't know how you sing that, but sometimes when I've sung that, it's something real sort of like, oh, God, yes. And it's like, 
part of me thinks God's going, that's possible. Um, I've given you my spirit, and I've given you my word. So, um, what's the problem? (laughs) And it's kind of like, some of us, I'm wondering whether, sometimes you sing it, and it's almost like, God, could you just download it straight? It's like, you know, it would be like me saying this year, I'm, this is going to be the year where I'm really going to learn to play the piano. All right? But I'm just going to pray about it and ask God, God, this year, could you teach me to play the piano? God, by the end of this year, could, could I just be able to do that? Um, I'm not going to bother with lessons. I'm not going to bother with uh, any books, because to be honest, you don't need that stuff. You just need to pray and claim. And by the end of the year, just a, a, a faith claim, and I'll be playing the piano. You, you would rightly think, He's off his rocker. Well, it's the same. You want to know God? Do you really want to know God? Well, there's a way. And it's here. And you kind of go, isn't there an easier way? And the psalmist says, actually, the people who stand firm delight in knowing God. They delight in the word. Now, could you take one and pass them on? And then could you take whatever you've got and pop it in your mouth? This is fine. These are zero calories. Yeah. Anything that happens during a sermon is absolutely zero calorie. Just take one and pop it in your mouth, if you would. And then, um, that'd be great. Just don't spend the just choosing. It's like, otherwise it's going to take far too long. Just grab one and go. Just get one, go, shove it in your mouth. And um, that'd be really good. And I'll explain in a moment what you're doing. Okay. Yes, yes, please do eat them. Yeah. They are gluten free. <laughs> They're the best that. Don't spend ages choosing, just go. <laughs> it's the best that Bargain Booze had this morning. This, I think if you, um, if, you, if you take one and you walk to communion, it's zero calorie. All right, I think that's how it works. Well, if you've got one in your mouth, um, don't crunch it. Sorry, I should have given you instructions earlier. Don't crunch it. Don't crunch it. And if you've got one of the soft sweets, um, try not to chew it at the moment. Just let it roll around your mouth a bit. Just let it roll around. Okay. <laughs> that took far too long at this side. What? <laughs> oh, for heaven's sake, come on. If you've got one in your mouth, what you're doing is you are meditating the sweet. All right? You are meditating the sweet. 
In the psalm, this is taking far too long for this simple <laughs> truth. In the psalm, it says two things. There's people who delight in the word, and there's people who meditate on the word. And the meditate word for meditate is the he- same Hebrew word for the thing you're doing with your sweet that's in your mouth. It's exactly the same. It's kind of like rolling it around, allowing it to become part of you, sucking it out. As it, then it does become chewing. That's what meditation looks like. Savoring. Yeah, savoring it. It's allowing it to become part of who you are. The psalmist says, the people who are blessed are the ones who delight in the law of the Lord and they meditate on it day and night. When you read the Bible, there's two things that you can do, two things that are happening to you. One is, as you read, and many of you will have had this experience, when you're reading it, you know that moment where you go, that's bang on for today. And I don't know about you, but for, for as long as I've been doing reading, really, scripture, is I've got a Bible at home that is now 30 years old, and it's hanging together with gaffer tape. It's a Bible that is just not worth. You know I mean, it wouldn't survive a, a, a draft. All right. And it's got writing all over it. It's, it's, where I've, it's where I've scribbled stuff when I was 21. Yeah, okay. <laughs> In parchment with a quill. <laughs> and it's stuff I scribbled last week and when I die I'm going to take it with me because it's like a bit of a, a reflection of who I am and what I've done loads of times not every day and not every week even but there's been so many times I've just been reading a bible passage that has been set for me and as I've been reading it I'm thinking that is so relevant for today and I've I've circled it or I've underlined it and I've put the date in and I've said that's today and I've heard God speak to me and I've heard God speak to me on a day that I've needed to hear that but you know the other thing that's happened to me And I've got to tell you, probably the second thing that I'm telling you has happened much more than the first thing. That just the continual reading begins to shape who you are. It just shapes who you are. It shapes your understanding of God. It shapes your understanding of Jesus. It shapes your understanding of your responses. I want to know you. And swimming around in this book over 30 years or so just begins to shape who you are. So how do you do it? I didn't want to end just with a sort of, uh, this is what you should do, but actually how. The two things I've got to make sure for myself is I don't allow myself to get too busy and I don't allow myself to get too distracted. Those are, my, those are the twin things I've got to keep batting away in my own life. If I get too busy, I find I don't have time for the stuff I know is vital. 
So somehow I've got to make sure that I carve out the time to do the stuff I know I need to do. And that includes reading and praying. And the second thing is, because of this is, this is just the way I do it, um, I, I go into, um, into the little office I've got um, where my computer is, and uh, I've got my Bible and my stuff, and take my breakfast, and there I am. And um, it's brilliant as long as I don't switch the computer on. Because I get distracted by two things. Amazon's Kindle Daily Deal... Don't buy anything, Max, so just look. And, um, <laughs> and Facebook. And I know, I just know that if I switch the computer on, those two things will distract me. And you and I both know that you can spend 30 minutes on Facebook like that. And at the end of it, you're no wiser than you were before. You just watched a few more cats and dogs. So as long as I don't allow myself to get distracted, I'm fine. I know what distracts me. I know my pattern. I know what I'm like. I know what I need. I know what to do. And then, how do you do it? Well, these are my suggestions at the beginning of a year. If you don't, and, and this is going to sound really obvious, if at the moment you're getting by your Christian life, Praying, but not reading much. Start. <laughs> All right, just begin. The truth is, most of us, I think, probably pray much more than we read. The trouble is, in the end, you'll pray to a God of your own making. And, and your prayers can just become worry in front of God. <laughs> What you and I both need more than us saying to God what we need, what we need is to hear him speak to us. That's what we need. So if you've not, then start. And, um, and probably follow a plan. And there's loads. And what we're going to do this week is um, probably Tuesday or Wednesday, on, we'll, we'll tell you all, if you're connected with us at all, we've got loads of ideas about where these plans can be found. <coughs> Truth is, most of you know what you found to be helpful in the past, but there's loads of good ideas out there. The Bible in a Year by Nicky Gumbel is a really big help. YouGov, uh, not YouGov, that's something different. Um, version, thank you. <laughs> the Bible plan, the reading Bible plan. I will get better this year. The Bible plan, um, 320 million people on Saturday had signed up for that around the world. And, and they got a little counter. This, this distracted me for ages. <laughs> and you can just see the numbers going up all the time. In other words, the church in the world is saying, we need help. I need a plan. And we'll give you some of those links. For some of you who've been going a long time, you need to stretch. I, I, when I'm reading the Bible for myself, I'm always reading it with somebody else's input, another book, another commentary, something else to help me. Because otherwise I'll go around in the same circle all the time. One of the things that we're using um, in small groups this 
beginning of the year, is this little book by Eugene Peterson, um, Prayers of the Heart about Psalms. There's 12, um, 12 studies that you can use on your own or you can use in a group. And um, we're going to be using this in the small groups for the beginning of the year. And if you've never used anything like this before, I would really recommend you getting hold of this. We've got some for sale. They're five pounds. And um, you could just use that for yourself. And what it'll do, it'll ask you some questions. It'll give you a little bit of insight. It's a couple of pages per psalm, so it's not loads. But it just pulls you a little further than you might have done. We've got those, um, Alex uh, and Glenn, Glenn rather. Glenn's got those if you want to take one today. Um, that's there. Last two. Get a reading buddy. Get someone who will ask you, what have you read? That's a simple question. What have you read? Let's have a coffee. Let's, have, let's just tell me what you've been reading. Tell me what you've been thinking. Most of you know that one of the things we do in church is we do a, Bible, a book, book group. And um, what's really interesting is that people who are part of that book group read the book sometimes simply because they're part of the group. Because they know the group's coming. <laughs> it's a small group, and you see, they want to look stupid, so you've, at least you've got to read the back, copy, the back cover. So, in other words, having someone ask, you know you're going to meet for coffee in two weeks' time who's going to ask you, what have you been reading, keeps you accountable. Find a friend. Or join a group. Because this is the promise. The promise is this, from verse 4 through to 6. The way of the culture will not last. Living for yourself, living for your own way, living for comfort, safety, and security will not last. But the Lord watches over the way of the righteous. The person who goes, God, it's not, I'm not righteous, i.e. I'm doing everything right. I'm not righteous because I'm better than anybody else. It's not that's not the language of righteousness there. It's people who are going, God, what I'm wanting to do is listen to your voice. The Lord watches over you. Why? Because you're in the grain. You're in the grain. As the year begins... I want to know God better. And I want you to know God better. I want you to hear him better. I want you to be wise. Wouldn't it be great if one of the things we were known as a church is, they're really wise people. How do you know? Well, because when the storms come, they don't collapse. Because they stand, because they make really good decisions, because actually they hear God. Well, the decisions you take as you think about the year ahead begin the process of saying, what sort of person do you want to be shaped as? What sort of person do you want to become? I'm going to ask the guys to come back and... Um,
Perhaps as they begin playing, we can pray together. For some of you, this is just a reminder of what you already do. And I want to remind you and uh, affirm you and tell you again that the practices that you've put in your life, that you've been doing over the years, do make a difference. It's why for some of you people do come and they tell you their problems. And it's not because somehow you've got this amazing ability. It's actually because they see in you someone wise. And that has happened because you've put yourself in a place where you're being shaped and you're hearing from God. So as you go into the new year, continue doing what you're doing. You might want to think about shaping it up a bit and shaking it up a bit and doing some new stuff. But actually what you need is to be able to say, God, I'm, I'm going to recommit to spending time with you. And for those of you that it's a bit more hit and miss, the beginning of a year does give you an opportunity to say, okay, God, I've heard you nudge me and... Um, I want to put some practices in place that will help me be shaped. Father, take our best intentions and make them realities. Lord, will you help us to listen really carefully for you? And I pray, Lord, that you would give us wisdom. Wisdom that is the result of being shaped by your word, open to your spirit, aware of the situation, knowing how to respond. Lord, we choose to put some things in our diet that will enable us to grow in you. Help us, we pray.